So my story is I was participating in a pretty big event here in uh, Anchorage. Um, usually the it's always held the first Saturday of March. In this particular year, this year, I got to be right in the middle of the, the fray on 4th Street. It was a giant snow dump, um, big wet snowflakes coming down. And I stood on 4th Avenue, um, standing on a sled with 14 dogs ready to take me across to the Alaska Range and, and to Nome. And it takes a lot to get to that point, and I was happy to have my structure next to me. My wife and my daughter were there supporting me. I had uh, a group of 20 of my uh, very good friends here, uh, a drinking club with a running problem, and they, they, had, uh, they had hammerhead shark onesies on and kind of took over the event. Uh, so instead of hearing five, four, three, two, one to start the race, I heard sea shanties, you know, and <laughs> adult-themed sea shanties. And it, it was exactly what I needed. Um, I was a little bit different in what I had to do to prepare for my race, um, and I had a few different items in my sled that probably none of the other rookies had. I took a small honey jar with a white lid with my mother's remains, and uh, I had a, a, a stuffed animal that one of my uh, patients gave me, uh, an ovarian cancer survivor at 12 years old, now Lauren. I'm not sure if she's here tonight, but I stuffed these things in my sled because I you know, you kind of figure this is going to be uh, a pretty tough endeavor. And either way, I took off from the start line, and it was a giant tailgate party, and I just had a blast. Most people don't know that this probably qualifies for the longest tailgate party in the world by Guinness Book of uh, Records. People are handing me free hot dogs, and like a big child, I'm so darn excited to get that hot dog that I'm just, you know, fist-pumping people. Uh, people are handing me beers of every sort, lots of them. And I just, I don't drink, so I'd take that beer and pass it on to the next person down the trail to get more cheers. I just love cheers. So, um... Uh, the the party pretty quickly ends, though. I mean, after two two days of running 200 miles, there's parties all along the way. You take your team up and over the Alaska Range. You know, you, div you dive down the other side into this area called the Dalzell Gorge. You know, and you're there's no brakes on these things. You're going you know nine miles per hour, but you hit 20 miles per hour going down an icy slope for two hours, and it's it's thrilling. It's exciting but it kind of pushes you into a different world. You leave the Alaska Range and you hit uh, the Rowan River and you were on your own. You know, uh, everything that I, um, everything that I went through to get there uh, was off my shoulders now. I spent uh, two years, you know, um, nursing in an ER, taking care of some really sick people. And I didn't have to worry about that. I took care of my mother, um, who was a nurse and a naturopath, and I did not have to worry about that. It was all gone. The race kind of turns into some primitive thinking at this time, and you just, you just take care of your dogs, natural for me, and I just kind of pushed them along the trail. I fed them. I got off every, every hour, and I did a cheer or did a snow angel or something, just kept these dogs going. And the race just continued to get better and better for me. So I didn't have to worry about anything else. It was me and my dogs. Uh, we checkpoint to checkpoint. We started getting stronger and stronger. We went through our 24. We looked great. And then beyond Ofer, the race starts to get real. And you have long runs that you have to get lucky. You have to, you have to have things go your way to have a good time. We started picking up pace. We had 
clean runs. I was happy. And it, not a lot really, like I'm saying, going on higher level thought, just get down the trail. Life is simple. And I come off the Yukon River, and my goal for this race was get to, to get to Old Woman's Cabin. It's a, it's a sacred place among the natives in the area and the, the mushers, and this is a place where I was going to spread my mother's ashes. And probably 20 miles outside of Old Woman's Cabin, one of our dogs started wobbling and weaving, and I noticed it, and he was the biggest dog on my team, but I put him in my sled, and I carried him into the, the cabin, and I nursed him back to health. I fed him gave him what he needed, cuddled with him, supported him. And just before, you know, and I look at my watch and it's six hours into the race and I'm thinking I'm going to be competitive and I kind of get my dog up and he is looking great. Almost want to put him back on the team, but I had decided already he's not ready to go. And I, I'm, I get ready to pull the hook and I forget to spread my mom's ashes. So I'm like, mom, unceremoniously, whip, 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 here you go. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're down the trail, right? Um, and, and, you know, didn't bother me. I, I, at that point in time, not a lot going on. Uh, it, it was just time to start my race now. I, I didn't care if I finished at this point in time. This is exactly where I needed to be. I had bluebird skies. I was either ahead of the storm or behind the storm. And I was coming to the coast, the infamous Bering Sea coast, Unicleet, Andeshek, Tulik, this, this spit of land that jets into the Bering Sea. And it is barren. There's nothing out there. You can't see. There's no definition. It's a white sea and just this oasis with the nicest people you can imagine in the whole wide world. But this wide open space starts to play, trick, play tricks on my mind as well as the dogs. And you just start to, this is the first time in the race I started to feel defeated. Like I was, you know, just not going to make it. Again, the dogs looked great. They kept picking up steam, but I had let myself kind of get tired. And uh, I looked to the heavens for help. You know, I had a, I would call my mom on the way into work and ask her for help. I would say, hey, what do I need to do? You know, and she would tell me, this is what you do to get through the shift. This is what you need to be, you know, and she would cheer me up. She was always there for me. And uh, I looked to her and I said, hey, mom, I need your, your help. And then boom, Aurora flies across the sky. My dog's skipping to Koyuk and I was going to make it. I knew it. 200 miles from the finish, we started running top 10 fastest run times of the entire race. We were like, we were starting to get into some of the elite racers. Not that I really cared. I mean, I'm looking back on the metrics now and it was awesome. But uh, what really cared about is we had done it right. And we were, we were impressing and doing, uh, impressing my mom and uh, making my family happy. And, uh, you know, we get to the last checkpoint. And again, like, I think we're going to make it. And my dogs decide they want to turn around. And we, uh, nonetheless, we decide we are going to uh, continue pressing on. We change leaders out. We head up through the Topcock Hills. We, uh, we make it to Nome. And uh, I can tell you this right now. Um, this race was much less about the racing and more about, uh, you know, getting past all the difficult stuff. And it, it, I don't say it lightly, but the Iditarod was easy you know, uh, caring for patients like my coworkers and I did and losing my mom. That's the tough stuff right there. Um, but uh, to, I, I want to do it again to race next time. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely do it one more time. And that, that's my story, guys. That's where I am. Thank you.